to our beautiful deep community, I want to assure you the deeper is going nowhere and the same incredible content will be released every week, but now through Arise. It is going to be less trauma heavy and more inspirational, uplifting, but it will still challenge and push you to grow. For all your deeper episodes, they are still available every fortnight. You can still get your deep hit with the deeper subscription. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. He does an ultrasound and, and he goes, wow, I can't even... I can't even find like your ovary and he's like oh i have to zoom out your ovaries are like the size of grapefruits they're full of cysts you need emergency surgery right now welcome to the deep i'm zoe marshall in my early 20s a lot of traumatic things happened and ever since then i have had this fascination with people and their stories this is the deep I acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I work and live and recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community. I pay respect to elders past, present and emerging. Endometriosis is painful, it's debilitating, it's thought of as a women's disease. But Corey is a man who suffers with endo. It's affected his identity and the ability to get the medical care he needs. This is his story. Content warning. If you're suffering or triggered by the themes of this podcast, help services are listed in the show notes. Welcome, Corey, to The Deep. It has been a lifetime. I've been trying to get you on here. Thank you for joining us. No, thank you for having me. And yes, it's been literally years that we've been trying to make this happen. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here and uh, glad we could. I want to start by saying the reason why it's taken us so long to be here is you have quite a debilitating disease. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, I do have endometriosis. I've had issues since I was 13 um, with with pain and the beginning of my first cyst burst. Um, mm. so my first, my first cyst burst was when I was 13 and that was kind of the beginning of all of my, my problems and it's, it's taken over. Yeah, it really has. Um, and that, that's, what's also been so important about kind of still coming forward with being a man with endometriosis, um, because, you know, people, are there's a misconception you know the disease is so misunderstood there's a lot of misconceptions that men couldn't possibly have the same stories or be in as much pain or you know the assumption is that it um that it cures it but let's all remember you know endometriosis is still an incurable disease so unfortunately um transitioning did not help me if anything i think it it made my care worse and my condition and health worse because I'm trans. 
since following your story on Instagram, what a eye-opening world that was for me as a woman that has endometriosis. I was like, holy shit, I never actually thought that someone that had transitioned, of course they would still have endo if they'd had endo pre. It doesn't just go because your gender changes or even the drugs um, can shift things for you you know, phys- exactly. physically, it's not like they cut your womb out, right? Well, I mean, eventually they did. <laughs> is that because of the endo or is that because of the transition? Because of the endo. Yeah. And, and adenomyosis. So I also have, I also have adenomyosis as well. So that was the main reason why I urgently ended up needing um, a hysterectomy and why I, well, I, why I pursued I started to pursue um, getting an egg retrieval and it's kind of interesting how it came about because at the transition point, you know, there I was thinking that transition, beginning my transition, you know, in my early twenties was going to help it. You know, that's what everyone Mm -hmm. said. That's what doctors made it seem like. So I thought, okay, it's going to help out. And then, um, you know, I began my, I began, you know, being on testosterone and once I started testosterone, um, it, it finally stopped my period, which I had a period that lasted a year and nine months straight. <gasps> Heavy bleeding. You did not. Yeah, it never stopped for a year and nine months. Can I ask you as well, was that quite, um, I, and you have to forgive my ignorance around some of the languaging, but um, does that become dysphoric for you as well? Like, I don't know if that's just relation into bodies, but if you're bleeding, is that quite a difficult thing being trans? Yeah. I mean, I would say that obviously it's a varying degree for everybody, you know, everyone's different. Um, But um, yeah, it was more like for me, it was, so coming from the stance of already growing up as a preteen and teenager, you know, pre-T, um, already having very extreme heavy periods, you know, have in and out of the emergency rooms monthly, uh, you know, things like that, but periods that were lasting for months at a time. And then, um, yeah, it wasn't, so it wasn't until I started testosterone that it actually finally stopped the bleeding. Um, mm. And then, but then eight months on testosterone, all of a sudden the bleeding came back. So <laughs> it just kind of proved that, wow, there's so much more to this that doctors are unaware of that are that don't understand. And so at that point, to answer your question about the, you know, is that like dysphoric or possibly triggering um, at that point? Yeah, it was kind of like a whoa, like wh- where am I right now? Because like that's how it felt, because I remember being I was working at Starbucks for many years. And suddenly I just, I collapsed at work and started bleeding again and had to like call my dad and my dad had to come and um, pick me up literally from, from work, from the back room and bring me to um, an urgent care. And uh, I knew instant, I mean, I knew instantly it was endo. I knew instantly the endo was back. Um, There's that very specific feeling that I don't know if you know what I mean but like pre-bleeding you there's always that feeling of that electrocution nerve 
pain that starts going shooting down your legs. Yes, I get it. Um, it's a it's a bit TMI, but I get it up my bum as well. No, yeah, no TMI. You know that, same. Yeah, literally same. Um, and it's just so. Uh, look, I've got a very different degree to you. I've had two operations, but I can uh, function. Um, in a, I guess we we dumb it down don't we when we have endo it's like oh I can function but you function kind of shit at, even when you do function yeah. well but I'm saying I'm not wheelchair bound which we will get to in a moment for you but I want to ask right I had a I call them hemorrhages I had a hemorrhage when I was hosting a radio show and you know I was tampon um, pad, super nighttime pad jeans, and I bled through it all. And the humiliation of like blood on your jeans and everyone oh, yeah. knowing, and like that's one yeah. level. And then I can just, I'm not trying to project, but then being trans on that, on top of that, and that being like, you know, something that you just don't want customers or anyone to see right yeah, yeah is there a whole nother level of obviously the challenges that go with being trans but i can't imagine being trans with endo it's so um uh, what's it called when it outs you you know what i'm saying um oh yeah absolutely no it did you know because it's such a gendered disease and that's why i've like really pushed to change the the language surrounding the disease because it's not even it shouldn't even be a gendered disease you know i usually use the example of there are there are men with breast cancer. Um, how how must they feel, you know, when they're having to go to a doctor literally for for breast cancer as a man? So, you know, I usually use that as kind of an analogy of like kind of similar similar thing for us. It it because it's gendered, it actually can create, you know, different barriers as well because doctors further do not take you seriously. It's really hard, right? Because there's so much misunderstanding around endo to begin with. But are you saying that being a man walking in saying, this is my medical history, this is what I need, that there is prejudice and there is discrimination because you're trans? My very first time having to go to the emergency room as a as a man um, with endo, I was sexually assaulted, abused, um, forced to undergo three surgeries instead of one. Um, what? I'm yeah, which we can get to that. But um, literally, yeah. my first time, my first time going to the ER. Um, so I had just had my egg retrieval done because, like I said, the bleeding came back after eight months. I was on PS. Endo was behind me. I really did. I thought Endo was behind me. I was like, it's another lifetime away from me at this point. You know, I thought mm. like I could begin a new, literally, I thought I could like, you know, and that's only because the bleeding stopped just temporarily, right? But then it came back eight months later and I, every everything came back with it. So when that happened, um, I immediately was like, well, I guess I have to get a hysterectomy now. Um, so I I told my parents and we discussed it and we had always, you know, I have having my own biological children was, has always been very important to me. Um, mm -hmm. As a teenager, doctors, doctors tried to persuade me and push me to get a hysterectomy when I was a teenager. And I always held off and said no, um, because mm -hmm. I wanted to save the eggs. 
So I always knew that even if it wasn't possible yet, even as a teenager, I literally knew even if it's not possible, one day I'm going to try to get those. Um, so when it came back, um, you know, like I was just saying that eight months later and it came back, that's when I started discussing, I started discussing with my parents, like, look, I think this is it. I'm going to have to get a hysterectomy. So, you know, if you guys, basically, if you guys want grandchildren, are you, mm. can you maybe help me with this situation and I will do whatever I can to pay you back for this. But um, can we get the eggs? Can we pay to get the eggs retrieved or do whatever we can do to do it? Cause it became an emergent situation, you know, and once I started bleeding again and um, you know, after having the last period be almost two years long, I did not want to go through any more than I had to, especially as a man now, like you just said, it was, I already was passing out at work. It was already, it was already confusing. Like customers were literally confused. Like customers were like, what the hell's wrong with this guy? <laughs> like seriously. Yeah. Um, so like it was very um it was just like a mess of so my parents did end up helping me and we we did get the eggs retrieved after the egg retrieval because of endometriosis of course um you know i had a complication from the egg retrieval um and from you know from all of the hormones because to actually get your eggs retrieved um just so for in case anyone that wants to know um you know, even my OBGYN was confused about the process. We thought that maybe during the hysterectomy, we could just plan it all at once. Like, can we just do a histo and just, you just take the eggs out? She was like, oh, mm-hmm. no, 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 it doesn't work like that. You have to actually go through a process, like you have to stop testosterone. You have to, um, you know, stop testosterone just for a couple of weeks. You have to let your T levels drop. Then you have to actually take, you know, just like IVF type therapy, like I have to, you know, I had to give myself three medications a day shots, Mm. um, Mm. basically getting the eggs mature. So you have to actually mature the eggs inside of your body before you can get them out. These hormones uh, like run havoc on endo. Like this is the worst thing you can do. The number going up to like 4,000, if I'm right or something, maybe I, I could be wrong, but I think like what it shoots up from what would have normally been a like a 200 to like 4,000, you know, pregnancy hormones are like insane. Wild. Body. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, and I got to like see the, you know, literally my hormone levels changing throughout that process in the beginning of that. And um, cause they, you know, they were monitoring the eggs and stuff. So it was, we had to wait until they were like, you were just saying the pregnancy hormone, like at their max. And yeah, it does. It absolutely, you know, I knew instantly like, okay, well, <laughs> this definitely just spiked my endo to and i know how so many people with endo want babies right but then there's this really fucked up question of like are you going to do more damage than good right so do you regret that no i would do it again i would do it again oh wow mm-hmm. yeah to, the eggs are that important to me Absolutely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I even said mm-hmm. to them, I even said to the um, fertility doctor, like, look, like, you know, they knew I had endo. They know I'm trans. They know the end goal is already the hysterectomy in a few weeks, mm-hmm. you know, that my was already scheduled. Yeah. I literally said to them, like, look, no worries if I'm aware that we might get nothing, you know, but it's a rescue mission. So get whatever you can. I hope it worked. You know, basically we just hoped it worked. They didn't know it was the first time anyone a trans male did that before at their facility. So I was the first one doing it. 
Can I ask a question on, you said you were sexually assaulted the first time you went to the hospital and then three surgeries instead of one. Can you explain those things for me? Yeah. So normally after an egg retrieval, you can return to work sometimes the same day. Um, some people can mm -hmm. go to work the same day, can absolutely return to work the next day. It's generally something minor is my point. Um, however, with me, I noticed um, the next day I was in more pain. And then I noticed that the next day I was in even more pain. And by the third day after the egg retrieval, I couldn't move. It felt like I had a 50-pound stone in my stomach. I was in the fetal position. I was bleeding. Um, like My girlfriend was like, we got to bring you to the emergency room. And I was like, yeah. Um, so I called, first I called the fertility center um, and this is kind of where it all went wrong really. Um, but when I called the fertility center, um, their the nurse that answered the line actually said, oh, you're just looking for pain meds. So just go to the hospital. That's what she said to me. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm calling because I'm concerned. I'm, I, I can't move. I, I can't walk. I'm, I'm in the fetal position. You said I'm supposed to be able to return to work the next day. I can't. I'm like, I feel like I'm dying. Um, like I'm in so much pain. And I was like, I'm in the worst pain of my life. And I come from a history of endo. I had already had four or five laparoscopies at that point. I could handle pain. Trust me. This was the worst pain I ever fought in my life. And that was because you'll end up finding out I, I was actually in double ovarian torsion. So I actually was in double ovarian torsion and had PCOS, HCOS, so hypercystic ovarian syndrome, polycystic ovarian syndrome, obviously all complicated by endometriosis. Um, and so um, basically that fertility nurse should not have said that to me. She There was a reversal. There was an ability to assist this situation in a sense is what I ended up finding out later, a lot later. Um, but so what happened was she told me, you're just looking for pain meds. And so just go to the hospital. And I said, no, I'm very concerned. Something's wrong. Uh, and so she was like, then go to the hospital. So I, so I did. Upon arrival, they discriminated against me immediately. By what I mean by that is they First of all, they laughed in my face um, mm. and they put a female wristband on me and put my name, you know, my dead name in a sense, um, my prior name. So I can say that right after that, I literally watched people come in after me and leave before me with minor, minor injuries. Um, I bet you, I would bet a million dollars that of the time that I was in the emergency room waiting room, I bet you that I had the most concerning condition of anyone there at that moment of time. I'm saying that because they made me wait for seven hours in the waiting room. So they literally let people go before me that had broken fingers, that had wow. you know, breaks or bleeds. And it's like, I was there, little did I know I'm in double ovarian torsion three days in and I'm starting to lose... Um, like my organs were starting to fail. <laughs> so at that point I was, I started to, I was started screaming in pain. 
they ended up only taking me back because other patients in the waiting room complained. They were complaining about how loud I was. I'm so sorry. That's so disgusting. That is so so dehumanizing and demoralizing and, 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 and also like, I want to say this because lots of people that don't have a disease or don't understand, but when you're in that amount of pain and you feel so vulnerable, right? Like you just want to curl up in your mum's, in your mum's arms and you want someone to protect you and love you. The last thing you want in a place that feels safe is to be fucking discriminated against and not seen to like the Mm -hmm. desperation I mm-hmm. I just am so sorry that this is a part of your story. Like that is just so Thank fucked up. Thank you for saying that. And I hate to say it, but this is like the most minor part of my story. So it just Oh my gets god. More, it just gets more dehumanizing and horrible and disgusting and heinous. And there aren't words that are powerful enough to describe what happened to me. So tell us how it gets worse. When the other patients finally and you know literally said let let this person go before me (laughs) because they're they're screaming in pain like they definitely need help before I do like other people were saying like take 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 him back um patients were referring to me as him but the entire time I was there they only referred to me as it (gasps) and they but preferably they called me it everyone there um it was really gross and so upon finally taking me back, um, so after they finally, you know, when they do the triage process, they triage me after, you know, six to seven hours of that. Um, they triage me and they were like, oh, this is actually quite serious. Um, I'm like, duh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like as soon as I'm wheeled back there, I actually started yeah. saying immediately to the doctor, I started saying, uh, like you just said, you're so vulnerable. You're so everything. I up front said everything. I said, I have a severe history of endometriosis. I know for, I just had an egg retrieval a few days ago. You know, I'm saying, I'm listing these things to them as fast as I can and as urgently. And while I'm screaming and wincing in pain, something is wrong here. So they, they, um, a doctor came and did, um, and remember this is still just in the emergency room, right? So just the emergency room and, um, the doctor, um, comes in and, he does an ultrasound like on on my stomach. Um, he does an ultrasound and and he goes, "Wow, I can't even I can't even find like your ovary." And he's like, "Oh, I have to zoom out. Your ovaries are like the size of grapefruits. They're full of cysts." Mm. So mm. and then he said, "And you you have ovarian torsion. So your your both of your ovaries are in torsion." Um, so he said, "You need emergency surgery right now." Um, and I was like, "Duh." honestly I was like thank you you know like thank you please yes please just take me you know and so finally I've I thought okay great I'm being listened to he goes you need emergency surgery right now we're sending you upstairs we're sending you to the OBGYN floor they're gonna prep you for surgery as soon as I get up there that's just the beginning of the story (laughs) as soon as I it's not funny um as soon as I get up there um my doctor the my OBGYN who's supposed to be my surgeon um he says, oh, I'm not going to do your surgery. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to aid your transition. I'm not going to help you. I'm not going to play God with your body. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Get me a new doctor then. 
get me first of all illegal second of all don't have the time for this get me a new doctor if you have a problem with it i'll follow up with this shit later i don't have time and he said no no i'm not gonna i'm the only i'm the only emergency obgyn here tonight i'm the only one on staff so it's me and he was just disgusting his the way he spoke to me was disgusting um he referred to me as it he's the one that told everyone to refer to me as it is this a religious thing for this guy he did say things to me that you know said where i come from like okay yeah so it was a cultural no, I mean, he he, ac- he actually said where i come where i come from they kill people like you so you <gasps> should feel lucky okay you should feel lucky. Okey yeah dokey. yeah Okey so dokey. i said i i said get me out of here <laughs> get me in an ambulance actually and then that's when they marked me in critical condition and unable to leave all of a sudden this guy wanted to make me his hat for the night I don't know how but to explain why? it But why? But why? Right, because it was sick. So what does... Because he's transphobic, so... like truly sick. Like he, like genuinely... So he just wants to, to torture you? Yeah, and he did. He just um, wants to torture you, and he kept yeah, you there. He, yeah, and he said Without that drugs. what I was... Yes, he did not give me pain meds. It's even on my file. There were nurses that left comments that said, patient is writhing in pain, begging for pain medication. The doctor said no. Do not give it. Do not give it. <laughs> that like not even. Don't give it to it. Mm-hmm. Oh man, my heart is just oh. So yeah, after some of those comments, and I I begged like, look, dude, whatever your issues are, like, I don't care. Just get me a different doctor, like. And then like the more he said to me, I started screaming at him like, okay, you're fucking insane get the fuck out of my room. (laughs) Like literally like, um, get me someone I need emergency surgery. And, um, Mm -hmm. he had locked me, he locked me in a room at the end of a hall, um, and left me there to scream at the top of my lungs for hours. Um, my girlfriend Mm -hmm. was there as a witness. Um, finally after three and a half hours of blood curdling screams and passing out losing consciousness turning blue white red again um white again my girlfriend said that's it i can't take this i'm gonna walk through every fucking room in this place until i find him and i will drag Mm. him in here i will Mm. drag him in here so Mm. he can see you like this um, because he was saying that I was faking it. He was saying that this was cosmetic and he, he didn't want anything to do with my transition. I said, this has nothing to do with transitioning. This has to do with endometriosis. This has to do with ovarian torsion. This has to do with the fact that my insurance already paid for this hysterectomy. So just do it like this. You're not making sense. But anyway, so my girlfriend did end up finding him. She came back to my room. And she said, I found him. Um, He said, he'll be right in. So when he came to my room, he was, he wheeled in front of him an intravaginal ultrasound machine, followed by 10 to 12 nurses, staff, random people, like literally it could be janitors. Like, I'm not kidding. Random staff. I started, I knew exactly what was about to happen. I started screaming at the top of my lungs. Everybody get the fuck out of here. 
I didn't give any of you permission to be in here. Get the fuck out of here. Get out of here. I was screaming, kicking and screaming, and they ripped my clothes off of me. Nurses. Nurses ripped my clothes off of me. They stripped the bed. They took the sheets off the bed. I was completely naked. Completely naked. And remember, I didn't have top surgery yet. I was barely passing. So Mm. to be naked in front of all of these people while I'm bleeding, while I'm in ovarian torque, while I'm in the worst pain of my life. Um, Mm. And it was actually on my record that due to endometriosis, due to interstitial cystitis, due to adenomyosis, they could not even put a pinky inside of me. They could not even do a pinky intravaginal exam. It was on my record that no one was to ever do an intravaginal exam. And I believe that's part of why he said, I'm going to do this to him or it, (gasps) you know, but that's why he chose to do what he did because it literally said on my file, not to ever. (laughs) And he didn't like me. He didn't like that I was trans. He thought I was disgusting. He wanted to show me how disgusting I was. And that's what the point of stripping my clothes. And that was the point of taking the the sheets off the bed was to show me just, just to hold a mirror up to let me know I'm the freak show. That's what he was trying to say. And the entire time while this was happening, I was kicking and screaming. I was begging First, I was yelling at them to get out. Then it got to the point of begging, like you have a gun to your head, like like begging, like, please don't do this. And um, mm. nurses were covering their mouths and laughing. They were gawking and they were they were three feet from my face. Um, there were people peeling my peeling my fingers off the bed rail just to watch me grip it again. It was sick. I can't describe to you the level of, um, it was a field trip for them. It was fun. They were really excited to be in that room and do that to me. They really enjoyed it. I'm waiting for the bit in the story where you say, but someone, someone that is in the field of caring for people stood up and got them all out, but you're not telling me this. No, and no one ever does in my story so far. Um, no one cared. No one cared to defend me. Oh, my And gosh. Um, so he raped me with a probe. He raped me with a probe um, for several minutes until, um, until my girlfriend shoved him out of me and said, Stop. You're killing him. You're killing him. Stop. And she was just the only thing that made me survive that um, was knowing that one day I'm going to make this a movie. One day I'm going to write a book if I survive and I'm going to make this a movie because it's the only thing that could ever make up for this is the world needs to see it. They need to see it to feel it. They need to see it Mm -hmm. to understand the gravity Mm -hmm. of what this was. Um, it was a brutal sexual assault. And that's when he said, okay, I'll do your surgery. He said, I'll, I'm going to, he didn't even use proper terminology. He said, I'm going to reach my hand in there. I'm going <gasps> to untwist your ovaries and I'm going to stitch you back up. 
I'm not taking them out. I'm not doing your hysterectomy. I'm not helping you. I'm going to untwist your ovaries and stitch you back up. He would be saying, well, I had to use the probe to look internally before I knew what I was doing. I couldn't just, but he found an opportunity to demoralize and abuse. Yeah. And I can also state that, remember, I already had an ultrasound downstairs that already said I had ovarian torsion. There was no medical reason. There was no medical reason whatsoever. And the police ended up telling me that as well. But we don't want this guy doing anything to you further. Like we need to get far, far away. Right. But he did end up doing two surgeries. He did two surgeries on me. So he actually, even though he said he was going to stitch me up, actually, I woke up from the surgery. I woke up from the first surgery. um, And I noticed immediately, first of all, that my, my other side was still hurting. So I noticed instantly that something was still wrong. Like my left ovary still hurt just as bad, but I couldn't Mm -hmm. feel anything on the right. And I noticed something different that was different than any other time I've had a laparoscopy. I noticed the nerve damage immediately. I could tell that I had no, like no tactile sensation. I don't know if I'm using the right terminology, but like no tactile sensation along the like top of my skin. And no, it wasn't from like Novocaine or being numb. It was, I knew something was internally wrong. I Obviously, like I knew he did something. I mean, look what he did to my face. And while I was awake, I don't want to know what he did while I was asleep. Um, So this is incredibly traumatic. So fucked up. Like, but yeah, so I mean, I woke up from the first surgery. They, the nurse that came, that ended up coming in when I woke up said, um, and I said, like, what's wrong? Because, like, I could still feel all the pain on, like, one side. Like, what's wrong with me? And I didn't have any bandages on. Like, I was just, like, bleeding. Like, like, like mm. I just had, like, blankets over my stomach. Like, they didn't even put a bandage on me or anything. It was weird. Mm. And they said, yeah, he removed one ovary and he left the other one. And about five hours after waking up, they ended up having to prep me to have a second emergency oophorectomy because obviously the other ovary was about to like burst like it (laughs) so they ended up and what's crazy is the hospital knew I ended up telling what happened and the hospital's punishment for him was to continue on and do the other surgery so his punishment was to finish my care through and through but I didn't want him to finish I didn't want him to touch me I didn't want him near me I wanted this man in handcuffs honestly like that early on like I knew like this is so wrong and so I couldn't believe that they're like well now he's gonna do your second oophorectomy now and I was like can you just do the whole just do the whole hysterectomy yeah like just do the whole thing but I believe that their reason for doing this was they wanted me to die under anesthesia they wanted (gasps) me to not yeah yep so they forced me to have surgery like too many times in a row and remember i just had an egg retrieval a few days before so you know that's what killed like joan rivers like you can't (laughs) you can't go under anesthesia three times in less than a week uh in the state that i was in uh it was dangerous i just don't understand at this point that there is not one other than your girlfriend who is trying to kind of advocate for you how is there not one other person that is like the level of treatment now is beyond an animal 
right? You wouldn't yeah, do this yeah. to an animal. Exactly. That's yeah. How are we not terrified that we will all be, you know, criminals? I was certain that I was going to die. Um, my parent, and don't get me wrong, my parents were there. Um, my as soon as I, you know, like when I woke up, like my parents were there. You know, remember this happened in the middle of the night. They thought I was okay because I was at the hospital. Um, they took my clothes. They took my phone. They took my like. And my girlfriend was looking out for me because it was like, you know what I mean? Like, so my parents yeah. thought I was okay until, you know, after the first surgery and they found out in the morning. And of course they came immediately in the first thing in the morning, you know, I woke up and my dad was right there. Um, but um, so, I mean, my parents advocated hard on my behalf. They, they were saying, no, he's not touching. He's not touching our, our son again. Nope. You let's put him in a fucking ambulance and transfer yeah. him to a different hospital, transfer him to your, cause they have a, like a sibling or like a mother hospital in a sense, like down the street where mm -hmm. my OBGYN, my personal OBGYN, who I planned all of this with in advance was. So I thought like, let's try to do that. And like this doctor even went to the lengths of like lying and saying that he, he said to my face and to my parents that, he tried to con when they said put him in an ambulance and send him to the other hospital. He said, Oh, I tried to contact. And he said that my doctor didn't respond and said that she wasn't going to help. And I was like, I knew, well, that's a lie because I have her personal cell phone number and I could email her. So I did. Mm. I emailed her and she said, what? I didn't even know you're in the hospital. Uh. So that's when I knew, like, this is so much deeper. And then my parents and every my girlfriend, like, and myself were concerned. Okay, now I'm gonna die under this other surgery. Like, what's like? I don't want this guy doing this. And they refused. They they literally refused. The hospital did not allow another person. To, like, they instead put extra staff in my surgery, all just to watch. It was gross. So. Yeah, they just put monitors in on the guy and then used me as an experiment. Sorry, what year is this? November 2014. Shit, um, okay. Yeah, and so, um, yeah, so like at that time, there was really no action with trans rights yet, um, you know. And yeah, there was yeah. barely any, Endo didn't even make it in the media or social media yet at that point. 
currently because that also dictated when we could talk because mm-hmm. of medication and pain. Talk to me about this now. Yeah, so now it's awful. So yeah, it, it has completely ravaged my body. Um, it, it took everything from me. So like slowly it just, so for the past eight years, basically since, you know, since this happened, um, I ended up finding out that the doctor caused bilateral ilioinguinal neuralgia. What's that? So to break it down, bilateral meaning both sides, ilioinguinal meaning the nerve that's affected which that nerve runs down your abdomen and then crosses down your leg muscles and through your groin. Um, it's a very important nerve, I come to learn. <laughs> and mm-hmm. neuralgia, meaning the death of a nerve. So bilateral ilioinguinal neuralgia, I ended up finding this diagnosis on my chart. No one told me ever. But ever since what happened to me in the hospital, I have been having every four weeks, every four weeks, I've gotten 40 to 50 nerve blocks and trigger point injections ever since. And they told me that's like my treatment for like basically the rest of my life. Um, and that's, first of all, that's, hor- that's torture in and of itself. Um, to the most I've ever heard someone get is like three nerve blocks. I get 50. 50 a month like in one day and it has ruined my body but you know they didn't tell me what it was going to do they didn't tell me the complications they didn't tell me that one day I could completely lose function of my legs I ended up finding it out online I ended up finding it out that basically the only way that you can get bilateral neuralgia is for medical malpractice (laughs) essentially someone has to mess it up so he did that, you know, and um, so we've been pursuing that ever ever since because, like, yeah, I started losing function of my legs and um, I wasn't able to keep up with um, jobs. I was just starting to get, like, really sick. People are going to be listening going, holy shit, what do I do to assist or to help? What can they do? Well, first they can either go to the link tree in my bio um, from my Instagram, which would be Corey Smith, but it's a five instead of an S. Um, Other than that, the GoFundMe justice for Corey's story. So Mm. um, it's the go, it's the GoFundMe.com and then justice for Corey's story. And it's C O R I instead of a Y. Beautiful. Even just signing the petition, my partner created a change org petition i think we're sitting at about like 1200 signatures which is pretty good like we have like 1200 signatures i think so if there's no money in your pockets you can sign but if you can afford a dollar five dollar five dollars ten thousand dollars we'll take all of it please anything we have our final question everyone gets this question oh shoot who are you when no one's watching? At my heart, um, I see beauty in every moment, <laughs> in the littlest of things. I think it would be a shame for me to not make it. Um, 
I. That's a, that's a good question. Um, I've always said since I was five to my parents, I said, um, I want to make millions of dollars just so I can give it all away. So like at my heart, at my soul, that's who I am. I'd give my shirt off my back. I'd give the last thing I had. Um, mm. I would do anything to see everyone win. Um, it's mm. not about me. It's about all of us. It's always been about all of us. And so I plan on writing this book. I plan on, if I survive this, making this movie um, because mm. it's. I want to show life through my eyes and to show that it's so, the relatability to everyone. I want to show everyone that we're all connected. Thank you so much for being with us on the show today. You're, I know it's not easy. I know you're in so much pain, but I hope that this helps you but also connects others to what it is actually like. So thank you for being with us yeah. on The Deep today. No, thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep. If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram at What's The Deep. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, everybody. It is Zoe here. Change is coming to the deep. I want to welcome you to Arise. It's uplifting, it's quirky, it's curious. It's all about the mindset and self-discovery to be more helpful and of service. During 16 of the Deep, you will hear some of these episodes and I'd love to hear what you think of them over on our Instagram at What's the Deep.